I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What We Wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day. Everybody wants to know her Christina Lynch is the founder of Mi Golondrina. She's passionate about the beauty of Mexico and her Mexican heritage and champions over 600 artisans to produce her handmade collection. Well, Christina Lynch, I'm so, so excited to talk to you. You are in Dallas. Yes. You live in your hometown and I live in my hometown also. Tell me about how that is and what's been going on during the pandemic. I love Dallas and I actually live in a neighborhood that is a little more walkable than Dallas normally is. When the pandemic hit, it was really sad to see all of the restaurants close and um, just kind of how businesses were going to struggle through this. But then at the same time, I think I got to see how creative everyone was becoming. So you know, there was the pickup and the takeout and, and new menus and, and just new concepts. And I feel like as a business, we were, we were doing the same thing. And then as a community, we were all leaning on each other and, and still are. It's funny. I saw, I got an email from my favorite restaurant yesterday. They're opening this weekend and, and oh, exciting. Yeah. But part of it is that you, you download the menu before you go so you don't have to touch anything, which I thought was so genius and crazy. That's so smart. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. And I think that those are the things that, you know, maybe we'll, we'll keep going after this, right? Like, I think it's nice to think about my order before I get to the restaurant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it might be ideal, actually. And the other thing I think, too, just like, you being from Dallas and, and me living in my hometown as well. I do feel like during the pandemic, it felt like it felt when we were growing up, like it was, you know, you, you walked to, you walked places that you hadn't walked before and everybody was outside playing. And it, it was just almost like it was in the seventies. It was the eighties for you, maybe the nineties. But for me, it was, it felt like almost like the seventies again. <laughs> Well, I grew up on a street where we all, I mean, I played with all the neighbors and we ran free and uh, around Christmas time, we would collect a bunch of Christmas trees um, and build Christmas tree forts. So definitely had that experience in my childhood and um, would build forts along this lake. And actually my husband and I have been walking um, along the lake and just seeing all the families have picnics and, you know, family is something I think about a lot. So, so to see families come together through this has been Really beautiful. Do you live in the same town as your parents? I mean, do they still, they live in Dallas? Yes, I would say that's the best thing about Dallas for me personally is just living in the same city as them is just, it's, it's awesome. Will you tell me a little bit about your mom? I know she's had a very influential um, part of your life and has been almost the impetus for me, Golandrina, I think. But tell, tell me a little bit about her and where she's from and I know she's very glamorous and very beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you would laugh. 
<laughs> and then be very happy that you said that. She's amazing. You know, she has this just very beautiful, infectious personality. And I think there are people in this world, I think you're one of them, that just walk into a room and they light up the room and just make everyone happy. And and um, my mom has has always had that personality. And her heart really is... It's got to be in the shape of Mexico. <laughs> she just, <laughs> she loves Mexico so much. Um, so she grew up in northern Mexico and um, her grandfather was a cattle rancher. Her mother was actually from El Paso, Texas. So one thing that I realized maybe later was uh, that maybe having a mother who was born in El Paso kind of helped her see Mexico, not just from the lens of somebody whose parents were from there, but also kind of this outside view she she has always loved art. When she was younger, she went to Oaxaca with her mom. And she always tells me this story about how um, they spent the night at this hotel. And my mom had said that she really wanted to go meet with the artisans who were making ceramics. And the day before, they were with a tour guide. And um, she said, I'd like to go with you when you meet with artisans. And he said, no, 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 I go at like 5 a.m., and um, it's not safe and, and you shouldn't come. And anyway, she convinced him. She snuck out at 5 a.m., said, Mom, I'll be right back. And I think that's just when she fell in love with meeting with artists in Mexico. So um, she passed that on to me. You know, I went to Oaxaca for the first time when I was 13, 14. And we would always meet with artists and, and learn their stories. And that's that's one of the things I really enjoyed the most. Um, you know, I think about this painter, Damian Lescas, is one that I really like. And he his art has a lot to do with gastronomy. And he, you know, he speaks so beautifully about his art. And, and that's what makes his art so beautiful is the story behind each piece. My mom, you know, she she just she just really influenced me to to um, look at art in Mexico and, and this beautiful light. She collects textiles and pottery, and, and has she passed any of that to you? You know, I'm surrounded by art in her office because her home is overflowing with Mexican art. So she's been collecting truly since she was 18. She really has a, an impressive Mexican art collection that she doesn't talk about enough. And um, what I love is their pieces from an artisan, you know, that she may have purchased for $5 and then pieces that should be in museums. And it just all sits so beautifully together. So it's, it's, it's really neat to see the way she has put it in the house to make it kind of one big piece of art. What's your first fashion memory? Do you have memories as a child of your mother's clothing or your clothing? Yeah. So um, I think my biggest memories are just, my mom has always had a fabulous closet with lots and lots of color. And it's not just Mexican clothing. So she's always loved when we've traveled, um, when we were lucky enough to go to Europe later on and uh, in India. And um, she loves kind of the traditional clothing of the country. So I have great memories just growing up. She would let me borrow the clothing and wear it to parties. And um, we'd have fun together kind of seeing how to wear it and how to style it in a way that felt fun and new and sometimes more contemporary. So I think my fondest memories really are just in her bathroom, in her closet and her, you know, looking at what I was wearing and saying, okay, let's add earrings and, or, you know, what else, <laughs> what else can we do? And it was just so playful and fun. I, I do think actually, I think it's unique how much you traveled as a child. It, anything, anything other than Mexico stick out as particularly influential. And then, and then I think you went, you went abroad to school. 
I was really fortunate. So my dad growing up just thought travel was really important. And so uh, what we would do is every summer he would plan these road trips. I remember we had this circular table in the living room and he had a big map out and he would map out kind of where we would be taking our minivan and which national parks we would see. And are you, are you an only child or you have, you have a brother, I think? No, I have three brothers. (laughs) Yeah. So my brother, Peter, um, is my brother from my mother. And then um, I have two older brothers who I guess are technically my half brothers. You know, my dad did such a good job planning these trips. And and then later on in life, we were able to go to Europe and we would do these bicycle trips, which I thought were so great. We would do 25 to 50 miles a day and just get to know the landscape and get to know the people. And But travel has always been, I think, just so good for me to, you know, I went to the same school for my whole life. And it was nice to kind of get away and know that there were other cultures and, you know, things happening outside, outside our community. And yeah, we also did long trips in Mexico as well. So we do kind of the same thing. We would um, get in a car and drive around Chiapas. And we also saw the Copper Canyon in Mexico. I mean, there's so many trips that were that were just super influential. I think one of my favorite trips was, uh, was actually India with my parents. You know, there was just so much color and it was, it was the first time I had seen that much color besides Mexico. And, um, there are so many things that connect them. There really are. And that's one thing I really loved actually about artisan made pieces is just seeing, um, obviously the world is so connected and kind of thinking through the years of, when did you know floral embroidery come from Spain, and how was it then changed when it arrived in Mexico? And um, yeah. you know the hand pulled lace and how it comes from Italy, and just I love that aspect of of artisan clothing so much. I mean, I was in Portugal a couple of years ago and saw an embroidery that looked just like the embroidery that we work with in Aguacatenango. Now that I'm becoming more versed on different techniques, it's just it's just really beautiful to see that connection. And one of the things I thought was interesting that you said yesterday was that 90, 99% of the embroiderers are women. And, you know, in India, most of the embroiderers are men. I know. I know. When I was working in sales at Oscar de la Renta, I learned that and I was I was blown away. <laughs> well, tell me about that. I want to hear about Oscar. And, like, how did you get to New York in the first place? One of the things that I did in high school that I was so happy I did was that um, I studied abroad for a semester, and I think it really helped me uh, switch gears and think about my future a little bit more. So I studied abroad in Switzerland, and it was really an international community. And while I was there, there were a lot of people from New York as well, and I started to get excited about NYU. And so I applied, and I had actually done theater during the summers of, of school, and thought that, it, you know, that potentially being a theater major could be fun. So I applied to the Tisch School of the Arts, but I also really wanted a business degree. They At NYU, you can't double major in business and theater. So I double majored in theater and economics, which sounds so crazy, but it was so crazy. <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh, it was so great to really kind of learn more about theater and and, um, see everyone's passion and creativity and then also um, struggle through economics and and kind of exercise both sides of my mind. And um, but while I was in New York, really, that's when I I realized how much I love fashion. So my junior year, 
college, I decided to start seeking internships within the fashion industry. I think that's when my career started to take a turn. And my first job after NYU was in sales at Oscar de la Renta, which I, I absolutely could not believe I got that job. I was so, <laughs> so excited. And it was a wonderful place to work. I had a great boss uh, who's from France and was such a hard worker and and just taught me a lot about detail. And yeah, I just, I, I love, love that experience. And obviously being around the clothing is so inspiring. And I was there while Oscar was still alive and will forever cherish that moment. Tell me what you thought about Oscar. He was, he was such a lovely, incredible man. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I actually saw him at a restaurant in New York uh, after I left and uh, he could not have been kinder. And I remember just, you know, just feeling like I was melting while I was talking to him. He's just incredible. He's such a lovely man. And then went on to work with Narciso. So, so Narciso, I interned with Narciso, which was awesome. And that, that actually, I think really helped me get my job at Oscar. And, and the way I got that internship was um, through Shelly Musselman, who I love and miss so much. She's really the reason I got that internship. Thank goodness. And, um, <laughs> and I remember I had to show um, some design sketches and I had just taken a costume course. So I showed some really horrible design sketches and and just kind of pleaded my way into that internship. <laughs> and luckily it went really well and I learned a lot and um, kind of started to see the creative and the business side. What did you learn working with Narcissa? What was the, the big lesson there? I think what I learned probably mostly was just to um, to be more secure and and to be okay asking lots of questions, which, you know, I, that's something that I tell. We had an intern start yesterday, and the first thing I said to her was, please ask as many questions as possible. We're working quickly, and things change quickly. So if something feels funny, it probably is funny. So please, please <laughs> ask questions. When I was interning with Narciso, I was actually interning with the design team and, and which, you know, which mostly meant cutting fabric and sourcing threads and, um, you know, helping take things apart the night before the, the runway show. And, and all of that was just really scary to me at first, just because I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, you know, found a way to make friends and, and we all kind of leaned on each other and, and um, and they helped me through it. And then at the same time, I I found myself really interested in what was happening in the sales room and kind of how these. I always loved thinking about how the two were working together. How there was just this creative explosion of just you know just these beautiful pieces. And then to think through, okay, now this has to make it to line sheets and the organization of all that. Just I I was always fascinated by that. I love that too. Well, I also, I love how all of your background comes together, the theater to economics, to design, to sales, to starting your own business. I mean, you had all of the things you needed to be able to do that. So what was, what was the moment that you, that you decided to open your own business? So the, um, I would call my brother Peter a lot. Um, <laughs> and, and what's, what's helpful is that I have an entrepreneurial family and I have a father and mother who just always said, you know, do what you want to do and do it well. So was, there was never a path. I think a lot of times people struggle against certain paths that they need to take. So I, I feel lucky that I, that I. Well, and also that you, you should never really ask people their opinion about whether you should start a business. You just have to, <laughs> yeah, Cause the answer is never going to be what you want it to be. Which is so true. So true. And so, um, 
But the one person I would ask was my brother, Peter. And he said, you know, I told him I want to start this um, lifestyle, Mexican lifestyle brand where I really show the beauty of Mexico. And, you know, I was living in New York at the time. And he said, I think you should move home and start it now. Wow. Because if you don't, somebody else will do it. You know, I thank him every day for for really for getting me to, to do that. So, so I did. So I, you know, my brother's been somebody who's four years older than I am that I have copied and listened to and tried to do exactly as he does uh, my whole life. It's, it was, it was wonderful to have his encouragement. And, um, and I moved home. I moved in with my parents. I lived with my parents for three years and slowly got started. And what was so wonderful was to live with my parents for three years. You know, you go to school in New York and, start to feel disconnected. And of course, like we always visited each other and had long phone calls, but there's this relationship I think that's really neat to have later in life that I hope people take advantage of. That it's just, it's when you become an adult and can speak to your parents in that way, I think is, is it's an exciting time to be close with them. And when did you know that it would be successful? Oh, I had no idea. Well, I, you know, I, I think I was just so excited about the concept. And then I, you know, I wouldn't, would have never imagined what it turned into, mm-hmm. but I think the moment I knew that we had something that we could run with was, um, so my mom helped me a lot and uh, my mom loves throwing parties and <laughs> um, the original concept was actually bed linens. Um, and I was selling tops and dresses on the side and, uh, there's a company here called Peacock Alley that helped me produce the first small collection of bed linens and decorative pillows. I We had a launch party at their store in the design district. And my mom kept saying, it's all about the invitation. And um, I remember thinking about Really? Your mom is my kind of girl. <laughs> I know. I know. You're the ultimate inter- entertainer. So she... <laughs> You know, she puts together this invitation that literally looks like my wedding invitation. <laughs> it's gorgeous and it's and it's really classic. It's white and blue, so beautiful, <laughs> great paper quality. And um, we must have sent it to 500 people. And that was the launch party of Miguel and Drina. We hired a mariachi band. We had great tequila. <laughs> and so we had all the beds dressed in, you know, in these beautiful embroideries. And then we had a rack of tops and dresses that um, I had finished and with a seamstress here in Dallas and the fit was, you know, I'd been working on it for weeks and, you know, I, I had kind of thought as that of that as being the compliment to the bed linens. And then people just went wild for the tops and dresses and they sold out very quickly. Was that a hard pivot? I mean, were you kind of like, Oh, I didn't, think that was going to be that, but I'm okay with that. Or I was just so excited to start a business that, <laughs> that centered around Mexico that I don't think I really, if, if they had run towards the betting, I had gone, I would have gone with that. It was just so exciting to see anybody run towards something. You know? <laughs> and tell me about the name Miguel Andrina. I love, I love the meaning. Thank you. Uh, so Volandrina is a swallow. It's a bird. And, um, Growing up, going to my grandfather's ranch, there were actually a lot of swallows on his ranch. And um, 
the golondrina is in a lot of songs and poems in Mexico, and it represents a, a woman flying. And so I, I think of it as the golondrina who visits the communities in Mexico. And I love that. So, so yeah, and so it's always been me golondrina, like my um, bird that travels around with me. So ah, that gives me chills. I want to hear a little bit about leadership in that you have 600 artisans you work with. Tell me, I mean, how do you manage that? And do you remember your first partner? Something that we love to talk about is, is just how beautiful the technique is and how incredible the tradition is. And um, I think something that we don't talk about is, is that it's this business is an artisan first business model. And because of that, it has its challenges, right? We're not, speaking to a factory where we can say, stop production. You know what? We'd like to switch to blue thread uh, because that's not selling as well. And uh, it, it's just, it's, we could have dresses that are sitting in women's homes. We could receive, you know, because of miscommunication, something completely incorrect and either have to not sell it and repurpose it or just kind of, or hold on to it for another season. So we have got to be really creative as a business. Um, and I have learned how to communicate very, very well. Can you tell, like when things, when things arrive, can you, I'm sure you know certain artists' hands. Um, can you see certain embroideries where you're like, I know that that's this one person and at this one it, it, from this group? Oh, for sure. Well, one of the most beautiful things that I didn't realize I was learning growing up was where every technique came from. And that each community is known for a specific embroidery or weave. And a lot of these techniques have been around for over 200 years. And it is in their DNA. It is their flag. And it's, um, it's yeah. something that the people of that community, even if they're not the people embroidering, they are proud of that and they are proud of it being their traditional costume. And it's it's very important um, as a business that we represent that well. And also there's, you know, thinking of an artisan who, who stands out, I'm obsessed with this woman in San Antonino. Her name's Faustina. I'm not sure how old she is, but she's been doing this for years. And um, she does a floral embroidery where you can see the detail within the flower. So like if a flower were to have shadows and texture to it in different dimensions, she puts that in it. So I can tell I, you that I was wearing one of her dresses last night. One of, one of your dresses. I, I mean, the, the violets, the little yes! violets. I've never, ever seen such detail. I mean, I really... It's mesmerizing. It's it's art. I mean, there it's yeah. all art, but her, her is award-winning, gorgeous art. And I plead for one of her dresses every time I go. <laughs> and she she normally pre-sells before she makes it. Yeah. And 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 it's you know it will have won a competition that year. And um, what's neat is she has passed along the technique, and there are more women who. We've learned and actually her daughter um, does the same embroidery as well. Thank goodness. Um, and um, I have a blouse of hers that's white embroidery, which is uh, speckles of uh, pale yellow and black in the centers of the flowers. And I will hold on to it forever. I'm just obsessed with it. Oh, how beautiful. I think we both have a love for telling women's stories. Yes. 
And I can really see that in your blog. Can you tell me about the blog and why you started it and, and what your favorite story has been? What's been the most meaningful? Mujeres is our blog. And um, it's it's been such a great way to connect with people and go go beyond, right? And, and really understand the whole story. And I, I, I honestly think the thing that I, one of the things that I really like so much about it is just connecting with people, right? We're, we're all so busy and to take the time to talk to, to, for somebody to share their story is such a, such a blessing and so incredible to hear everyone's story. I mean, I loved hearing your story. I've always idolized you. And I, I couldn't believe when, when we were able to interview you, I thought that was incredible. And you know, one of the first women we had, um, she may have been the first, was Laura Wilson. And she is an incredible photographer that loves Mexican embroidery the way you do. I mean, I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was when we sat in pool shop and just talked about Mexico City and embroidery <laughs> for about an hour. <laughs> Laura would have just sat in on that conversation and, and um, you know, had the same feelings towards embroidery. She loves Faustina's work she always wants the most special pieces and it's because she really looks at this embroidery um mm. the way it should be looked at which is art and um yeah. it was it was so neat to to hear her story and and now she's you know she's become a friend and um I really kind of love and admire her so much she she actually just got engaged at 80 years old and um has just the most beautiful energy and um I I just think that's what has made Mujeres so special is just connecting to a level that um, is, is beyond just kind of this, you know, customer friend. It's really like, you know, what, what inspires you and, and what has gotten you to where you are. And it sounds like you had that from a young age with your mom and with Shelly and a real respect for kind of women's histories, I guess. You know, always so nice to just have, such incredible women around me. I mean, my mom, my mom is such a hard worker and her sister um, is as well. You know, they had a clothing business together back in the day. And Jan, her sister now has a beautiful um, iron homewares business that she's had, gosh, I think at least 30 years. So yeah, so I'm, I'm very fortunate to have great women to have leaned on for support. How do you define success in your life? And has that changed since the pandemic? I think success is being happy. I think being happy is, is just so important. And what makes you happy? Well, Migo Londrina makes me the happiest. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I think working with people who are passionate and um, creating something. You know, I think one of, the, one of the reasons I bring up being happy is just because I think a lot of people sometimes shy away from it because they are worried they're being selfish. And I think that if you can move towards your own happiness, then you can be a better person to the community you're in, right? So you can you can support people in a way that, that the world needs, right? We, we all need to help the world. and um, But I think you need to be in a good, positive place to do that. I feel like I do things every day. So few people love their work, I think. I, I, I think that's very true. And I think, I, I hope that more, you know, we can inspire more and more people to love their work because that's, that's when you're really going to do good things. I think that's when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're at your best is if you love your work and obviously work can be challenging, but challenging is fun. I, I like that part. <laughs> Me too. And then how has that changed in the pandemic? Has it, it, it's all the same? 
it's the same, but I think that, you know, I think a lot about, you know, the, the warmth that my family brings me and, you know, how, I guess, how fortunate I am to have that. I have a incredibly supportive husband and a beautiful daughter and, you know, having a husband who, who is excited about our mission is, is, is really wonderful. So I feel like through the pandemic, I am just more grateful than I ever have been for, for the position that I'm in right now. Every podcast we ask people what they were to the prom, but I want to do a double header for you because I want to hear what you were to the prom, but I also want to hear about your wedding dress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like my wedding dress is more fun. <laughs> so, but, you, um, but you do need to get to prom. <laughs> <laughs> My mom uh, got married in a beautiful Oscar de la Renta dress before he did bridal. It's so funny because she said, you know, she had the hardest time finding her wedding dress. And then she got a call from Neiman's, a woman at Neiman's called her and said, we have the perfect dress for you. And it has the Aztec sun in the middle of it. And it's so funny because... My mom still laughs like we don't think it's really the Aztec sun. I think they used that because they knew how much she loves Mexico. Uh, but it does have this beautiful gold sun in the center of it. And um, when my cousin was getting married, uh, my mom, we were shopping for wedding dresses with my cousin and my mom brought the dress and she told me to try it on for fun. And oddly enough, uh, I was in college and it fit perfectly and my mom was so excited. And then we kind of forgot about that. And then I got engaged in October, 2018 and, um, was going to be, oh, so I was figuring out what day I would get married. And it was either the church said it was either January or May. May is really busy for me, Golondrina, because of Cinco de Mayo. And I thought, let's just do it. So um, I got married, you know, three months later and um, I wore my mom's dress and um, Nardo's a local designer here had a custom veil made for it. I don't know how she did that in three months. It was incredible. <laughs> and she also made me um, a mariachi suit to wear um, for, for the party afterwards. So it was, it was, it was really so special. beautiful. It was incredible. <laughs> Thank you. And then it's a prom. I imagine abroad in Switzerland, you probably didn't have a prom. <laughs> My roommate at the time, Sharifa, uh, she was from Saudi and um, Saudi Arabia and had the most beautiful, beautiful closet I had ever seen. Um, <laughs> and really, she's probably one of the first times that I saw a closet of designer clothing. It was just, it was just gorgeous, gorgeous clothing. And she didn't bring a date to prom and, or she didn't, she wasn't, you know, interested in the guy at the time. So she asked me if I would be her date, uh, which was so much fun to, to go to prom in Switzerland. And um, <laughs> she let me borrow her dress and I could not have felt more special. And we, um, it was in this old castle actually, which is so crazy. And, um, and I think we may have stuck some alcohol in and had a good time. <laughs> and what was the dress? Do you remember? I think it was Chloe. I'm, I'm pretty positive. And it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was a pale pink and um, with, a, with a, I believe a collar, like a nice collar. But, and it's funny because the rest of my time in Switzerland, I mean, I was, I looked like such a dork. I look at all those pictures. I had no idea what I was doing, just wearing 
you know, weird turtlenecks and uh, <laughs> I was I was a fish out of water. Well, thank you, Christina. I've loved talking to you. Love catching up, and um, let's do it again soon. I would love it. Thank you so so much. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balta Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.